All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, and I am excited to talk to you uh, about stuff that I'm pretty familiar with. I, When I started getting into basketball, one of the things that I was very into was the transaction game. Uh, what players are being moved where. I was an NBA 2K guy. I wanted to build the best team that I possibly could in order to help the Nuggets win a title. And so it got me familiar with a lot of the CBA stuff, got me familiar with a lot of uh, what what goes on on the the minutiae of the roster stuff. And so I'm excited to kind of talk about the back end of Denver's roster right now and how I think the moves that Denver made over the last 48 hours or so They're setting Denver up for success. There's a lot that they did that I think is going to be really exciting for Nuggets fans. And I hope everybody uh, truly straps in on this one because this is going to be a fun podcast. We're going to talk about all the moves. We're going to, I'm going to talk about each of the individual moves in the first segment. Going to go through kind of the, the depth charts at this point, the strengths and weaknesses of the current group in the second segment. And then kind of what the why these moves precede some bigger thinking, in my opinion, for the third segment. And we're just going to get into it, have a good time. And I think that this should be pretty fun. So let's get into it. Uh, first, Denver trades Bull Bull. And I know that a lot of people wanted to see Bull Bull playing in a Nuggets uniform, uh, showcasing his skills, showcasing his talents. It just never was meant to be. And it became pretty clear early in the season last year when Denver would ask him to do certain things. They wanted to get him involved in different ways. And every way that they tried, from uh, being the backup power forward at the beginning of the season, to playing some center with the garbage time units, uh, to playing starting small forward and even being uh, playing next to Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap when, when Michael Porter was out. Nothing really stuck, and Bull Bull didn't really do the things that he was asked to do to get to a better place, and it's unfortunate that that's where Denver was at. They needed a player that would help them win now, and I think that Rodney Magruder, though he's a low-level name, though he's somebody who hasn't necessarily impacted teams over the course of the last couple of years, it was a hard year for a lot of people, hard couple of years for a lot of people, and I think that when Rodney Magruder left the Miami Heat after three years, hasn't really stuck ever since then. He had a competent full-time role with the Heat before Jimmy Butler got there, and he was a part of Heat culture. He was one of those guys that was a switchable defensive player, switchable defensive guard slash wing, played about 25% of his minutes at point guard, 50% at shooting guard and 25 at small forward. Very switchable six foot four defender who could fill a couple of different roles offensively, but nothing really crazy. Was just a smart player. So I hope that he continues to, like, I hope when he gets to Denver, I assume he's on the official roster. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure if he's going to play against the Clippers, but I think that they're going to try to get him his debut at some point if I'm not mistaken, and we'll see what he can do. We will see if he can recover some of the lost mojo that he had. He was one of those guys that kind of filled in the gaps for a good team, brought the energy, brought the the outside shooting when it was going, 
but mostly it was just about defense. So maybe Denver can coax a lot of that out of him with their second unit, maybe spotting some minutes in the starting unit where Will Barton's now out due to health and safety protocols. So we'll just have to see. Very curious to see how Denver handles him. They also got a 2022 second round pick, which should not be, uh, it's, it's not just a footnote anymore, given Denver's draft record, given how many second rounders that they've actually made good on. So I'm curious to see what the what the Nuggets do with it. Should be around the 55th pick overall, but it's just another tool in the toolbox for Tim Connolly and company. Next, Denver converted Davon Reed, who had been playing so well with the Nuggets on his 10-day contracts and had one 10-day after another after another. Now they are waiving Peter Cornelly, and they are instead converting Davon Reed to a two-way contract. And this is a good move for Denver. In my opinion, Davon was somebody like he's already played over 200 minutes with the Nuggets this year, which is crazy to think about. He said 220 minutes, which is more than Vlako Chanchar, more than Marcus Howard before he went out, more than Bull Bull, more than Peter Cornelly. Davon Reed is, has been a part of things for this Nuggets team, and he's, he's actually been a, a reasonable piece when he's been out there. So I am hopeful that his size, his wingspan, his defensive abilities, but also kind of an, an, a solid offensive game, somebody who can shoot off the dribble a little bit, somebody who can shoot from deep a little bit, who's a smart offensive mover. Maybe he gets worked into things over the course of this year, but also the next couple, and can help Denver stay competitive when they go to these bench lineups. Going to need some growth. Going to need him to work into the system a little bit, but he seems like he's up to the task, so I'm, I'm very interested in it. And then today, uh, we got some interesting news that James Ennis was going to be on a hardship exception 10-day contract. And the first thing that went through people's minds, is DeMarcus Cousins still coming? Is, is he still in the plans? Why haven't they signed DeMarcus Cousins? Sham Sharania also let know, hey, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins is still in the plans. Michael Malone last night would not have talked about uh, DeMarcus Cousins had he not been in the plans. What I believe is happening is that they are waiting for a strategic time to sign that contract so that it maximizes the number of days that he's available. Whether the reason for that is because of these games right now, like the, the game against the Clippers, they don't necessarily need him for, or if it's because he has to clear health and safety protocols if he's got COVID, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, but it didn't leak unless they wanted it to leak, unless they were going to actually sign on him. They're not going to renege on that. But James Ennis, uh, everybody was surprised about that. And the real reason for that one, Will Barton is now out and in health and safety protocols. He will be out for the next few games. And it's a really tough stretch that Denver's kind of in right now with him because he's going to be out, like he goes out on January 10th and in his place, or well, well, the games that he's going to be missing there, January 11th at the Los Angeles Clippers, January 13th versus those Portland Trailblazers. January 15th versus the Los Angeles Lakers, and potentially January 16th versus the Utah Jazz. I doubt that he plays in any of those games. 
those are all games that I think Denver could win, especially if, let's say, Rudy Gobert's out. You're facing the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. You're facing the Blazers without Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. You're facing the Lakers without Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. Like Those are all games that you should at least like be favored in, in my opinion. And Utah Jazz, if they miss Rudy Gobert, Denver can make that a competitive game. Hopefully, they do a better job than they did the last time. But they can make that into a really positive stretch. So missing Will Barton here, not great. Now, they do sign James Ennis to a 10-day. And let me tell you guys, James Ennis, a good basketball player. I was surprised that nobody picked him up. He's a career 36% three-point shooter. He's got a good, efficient two-point game. He's a smart cutter. He's a good, solid defender. He's also six foot six, which gives him some person, uh, some uh, positional versatility. That should be somebody that people want. It's kind of like Davon Reed. Like I was surprised that nobody wanted Davon Reed on their roster after the way that he played in summer league, uh, and then in Grand Rapids. Like I was surprised that he wasn't one of the first call ups. He was for Denver. And they had to call him up because if, if they didn't, then he would have been snatched up by somebody else, as it was pretty clear to see. But Denver has Davon Reed. They have James Ennis. They have Rodney Magruder. It's pretty clear that they've been bolstering the wing. Pretty clear that they are trying to satisfy some defensive holes that they've had, some offensive holes. And the hope is that those holes are filled before the playoffs. Whether it's by those guys or other guys, they are trying and actively looking to find some solutions. Jeff Green's done, done a great job filling in for Michael Porter. Denver's hoping that some of these other guys could potentially fill in for Jamal Murray in the interim, but also Will Barton and then PJ Dozier and Marcus Howard and Vlako Chanchar. So we'll see how it goes. When we come back, we're going to talk about the depth chart. We're going to talk about DeMarcus Cousins, and we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of this current group. We'll be right back. Jackson Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Those always make my day. When they come in, they help grow the program. That is a really big deal for me. So thank you so much if you do. All right. uh, Let's talk about Cousins. Uh, I was watching some Milwaukee film, looking at some Milwaukee stats. For when he went there on his 10-day contract, they re-upped that. Um, and he looked really good. I, I was pretty surprised that for a player that is as – like he's clearly stagnant. He's clearly somebody who's not moving very well, more of a stationary player. Uh, but he's still been effective. And it's pretty clear that that based off of what the Bucks have been doing with him, they have an opportunity, uh, the Bucks did, to really see what he could do in the pick and pop, in the pick and roll, uh, 
in a ball movement offense where they like to move the ball around the perimeter, hunt some threes. Uh, Cousins fit really well there. And while it may not be Denver's strength to really like try to work the ball around the perimeter for an open three, Cousins could really help facilitate some passing in Denver, facilitate some, some opening of the paint. Uh, and then when he gets into the painted area, he does some good job interior passing there, but also posting up, finishing in pick and roll, finishing on cuts, offensive rebounds, things like that. He's just so big. And there are very few players in the NBA that are geared towards stopping him. Like, let's say he played against the Clippers on uh, tomorrow. Hypothetically, he's not going to. I, I think we can rule that out uh, since he's not on the roster by tonight. Although it was funny, James Ennis, like I, I tweeted about James Ennis not necessarily being on the roster officially. And then five minutes later, the Nuggets made it official. Uh, they just know what they're doing. They're they're trying to they're out to get me here. Um, but Cousins specifically, uh, sure the Clippers have a visa Zubac, but he's going to be guarding Nikola Jokic for a lot of the game. Cousins, when he goes in there, he's going to be facing Serge Ibaka. Going to be facing somebody who's a lot smaller than him, like has some grown man strength to be clear, but not, may not necessarily want to get into the middle of the floor and bang around the rim may not be capable of it because DeMarcus is. He's been a really good rebounder. He always has really good hands. I'm going to talk about that later in the strengths and weaknesses, but DeMarcus Cousins has always had pretty good hands defensively. And so perhaps that helps make up for some of the mobility concerns. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure about that, but we're just going to have to see. Point being, though, is I'm open. I'm open to the possibility that he is an effective backup center. Let's talk about the rotation. Let's talk about the depth chart. So as we know, the the injury list now includes Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, PJ Dozier, Vlako Chanchar, Marcus Howard, and now Will Barton. So willy-nilly, it's uh, Denver's starting point guard, starting shooting guard, small forward, uh, their seventh or eighth man or so in BJ Dozier. Uh, and then two reserves and Flacco and Marcus. And it's too bad that, that they've been struck as they have, but pressure has made diamonds in this situation with Monte Morris kind of elevating his game. So he's going to have a lot of pressure on him for sure. He's the starting point guard, of course. Faku Campazo comes off the bench, not necessarily like hasn't been great, or at least he's been up and down. So I don't want to rag on it too much, but. At shooting guard, you're probably going to see Austin Rivers starting in place of Will Barton. Bones will back him up. Ronnie Magruder will back up Bones. And I think that's going to be an interesting conversation that if Bones continues to struggle, uh, he got benched in the last game. I think he'll play this game or at least at the beginning of the game. Perhaps Rodney Magruder gets a shot if Bones isn't playing well. Just have to see. Small forward, you've got Aaron Gordon. Davon Reed will back him up, and then James Ennis will probably back him up too. Uh, Ennis is probably a better player right now than Davon Reed, at least a better shooter. Uh, but I like Davon and what he's done. James Ennis will probably be here as more of a just-in-case measure at the beginning. Perhaps if Denver struggles, maybe they throw James Ennis out there. 
if Davon like just misses his first five threes, then maybe they decide to go a different direction while James Ennis is here. Uh, but a power forward right now, you're starting Jamichael Green, backing up with Jeff Green. No third uh, person there. I think that's going to be pretty interesting. It might be James Ennis, actually. So, Actually, no, it's definitely Aaron Gordon. He will play some minutes of power forward for sure. But at center, you've got Nikola Jokic, you've got Zeke Nagy for now, and you've got DeMarcus Cousins when he gets here. So Zeke Nagy has been pretty good in his role. Still think that he can pivot to being the backup power forward. And then Jeff Green might be the starting power forward with the starting unit. I'm very curious to see what the Jamichael Green, Zeke Nagy, DeMarcus Cousins trio looks like in the rotation. Who plays, who doesn't. Because like, Zeke Nagy is still in Denver's plans. And playing him more and more gets him more comfortable for the rest of the year. Gets him more comfortable for when he might be called upon in a playoff situation. Because last year, Denver still had Paul Millsap. They had a healthy Michael Porter. Wasn't necessarily a great opportunity. And they, they also had JaVale McGee as, a, as an option. Not necessarily a great opportunity to put Zeke Nagy out there. But this year... A lot more flexibility, I think, to try different things. So Zeke Nagy, with the way that he's shooting, might not be a bad idea to get him out there. But what are the current biggest strengths and weaknesses of that group? And, and how is Denver going to look with this group? I think that if you're thinking about a Monte, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Jamichael Green, Nikola Jokic lineup, strength is probably rebounding of that group, at least the biggest strength. After that, it's probably the paint pressure offensively, especially like post-offense and things like that. Nikola Jokic is obviously going to dictate that, uh, but Jamichael Green kind of posting up and, and sealing people on the interior, as well as Aaron Gordon doing a lot of the same things. Those three, Gordon, Jamichael, and, and Jokic, are going to put constant pressure on the interior. Sometimes it's it sacrifices the health of the offense, but that is what they're going to do. It's how they're going to handle it. And as long as those guys can make the occasional three, they don't necessarily have to do anything else, especially if they have a big size advantage out there. But the unselfishness is also going to be there. Monte, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Jamichael Green, they all know who stirs the drink. Nikola Jokic is going to get his touches. He's going to get a lot of touches. Uh, Monte Morris will too. I think that that pick and roll combination is going to be relied upon a lot while while Will Barton is out. So we're going to have to see how that goes. Uh, but if you go to the second unit, Faku, Bones, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, Zeke Nagy, and Demarcus Cousins when he gets there, I think the the unselfishness factor also rules in there. Like Faku is definitely trying to get everybody involved. Jeff Green, he's not trying to hunt his own shots. Zeke Nagy, same thing. Davon Reed, same thing. Bones is the guy that you, you start to think about who he is as a player. And he's going to hunt some of his own shots at times, but he's also shown the ability to make plays for others uh, when, he's, when he's a playmaker. So as long as he's in rhythm, he's going to be moving the ball pretty well. If he continues to stop the ball, then maybe Denver goes a different direction with the rotation. But for now, I, th I think that that's a, a fair categorization of it. 
Uh, defensive hands is also going to be a good strength too. I think that between Faku, Austin Rivers, Bones, Magruder, Davon Reed, Aaron Gordon, and then Jokic and Cousins specifically, uh, there's a lot of good hands on this defensive group where Denver can try to poke the ball free, not necessarily playing great positional defense, but more just trying to gamble for steals a little bit. As long as they don't gamble too much, as long as that doesn't become like the identity of their team, they should come up with some turnovers. They should be able to get into passing lanes, make things difficult for the opposing offense, at least make the mistake prone where Denver can try to capitalize on that while not necessarily having good mobility. The weaknesses, though, I think do stand out, where when you think about the perimeter playmaking of this depth chart, man, it's it's pretty tough. Monte is going to get his, but Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Bones Highland, Rodney Magruder, Aaron Gordon, Davon Reed, James Ennis, those are the eight available kind of point guard, shooting guard, small forward types. and. It's just kind of a murderer's row of like playmaking offense where you're going into the pick and roll. You are a threat to pull up from three. You're a threat to get to the rim. Like those guys very rarely are worrying the defense beyond what you would normally see. And that's going to be a problem where people are going to load up on Jokic. They're going to load up on the rebounding and the getting into the, the defensive glass. They're going to try to prevent what Denver does the best, which is get it on the interior. So somebody's going to have to step up. I, I would like it for it to be Bones. He seems like the guy that has the highest potential to be able to do that beyond what Monte normally does. But it would be great if Faku Campazo was hitting shots off the dribble. It would be great if Austin Rivers was making plays in the pick and roll for other people. Uh, Aaron Gordon specifically feels like somebody who could run some pick and roll with some other people too. But I don't know if it's going to happen. And I think we may, we may just have to see what happens at this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious as myself. Uh, center mobility. When Cousins is out there and Najee is not, uh, between the starters and the and the bench, because Jokic isn't exactly the most mobile himself, though he is more mobile than Cousins, which not sure a lot of people would have thought, like seeing Jokic at the beginning of his career and, and where he's evolved to. Uh, but that's definitely not Denver's strength. They're not going to be covering out beyond the, the restricted area that much. And they're not going to be making the quick rotations or uh, jumping passing lanes that often with their feet. They're going to be doing it gambling with their hands. And I- I'm going to be curious to see which is more important, the hands or the mobility in terms of Denver's defense. I would guess that it's the feet. <laughs> that's my that's my first inclination here, that Denver's going to be too slow and that's going to be an issue. I'd also guess that Denver's perimeter size is going to be an issue on both ends of the floor, where they're going to have trouble seeing over the top of the defense unless it's Jokic, as well as kind of guarding and 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 guarding some of the bigger guards that they're going to be facing over the course of this stretch. 
We're just going to have to find out. I'm very curious. I'm curious as anybody. And I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to seeing what this group can do. Jokic and Cousins are probably going to be the two focal points on the starting and second units. What they do, how they handle it. It might look very similar. It might look very different. Uh, I'm open to the possibility that Cousins has some success with the Nuggets. And I think that's Denver would be better off for it, at least in the regular season, with him playing some solid minutes and making sure that Denver's points don't dry up when it hits the non-Jokic time. Will it? I don't know. Can Denver defend when they go big with Cousins on the bench? Maybe they have Jermichael Green at power forward or Jeff Green at power forward. We're just going to have to see. Either way, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about why these moves may be preceding bigger thinking and why Nuggets fans should be a fan of them. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Final segment. Let's talk about... Actually, let's first go around the NBA and, and talk about some of the, the top of the West, in my opinion. I think this is the most important... Um, this is the most important time to talk about the top of the West and what they do. And you got to start with the Warriors, who just got back Clay Thompson. And they look very scary because of the, the guard and wing play that they now have. Got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, obviously. You've got Jordan Poole coming off the bench. Got Otto Porter coming off the bench. Got Damian Lee. You've got Andre Iguodala. You've got a lot of players that are very, very, very good, very talented, know what they're doing, surrounding an MVP candidate in Steph. And there's no doubt in my mind that they are going to be a championship contender on the strength of their small ball. When Draymond goes to the five, when Bielitsa goes to the five, uh, when they play small and have like Clay Thompson at the four or Andrew Wiggins at the four or something like that, and they're just a blur on the offensive end and the defensive end, they're going to be an issue. They're going to be tough to guard. And a team like the Nuggets could have a very big issue with them. Or at least they will just have to see, because Denver guarded them pretty well this last time around. And I think we, we've got some things to talk about with the new group that Denver has. The Suns. The Suns are also 30-9. and nine. They are tied with the Golden State Warriors for the best record in the NBA. Uh, they are scary across the board. They are driven by their elite guard play with Chris Paul. Devin Booker, campaign off the bench. We've got Mikhail Bridges in the starting unit. Jay Crowder has been fine, but Cam Johnson's now one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. They've got Landry Shamets. They've got a lot of players who are very, very good. And they are driving 
what those what those teams do really well on the offensive end. The Jazz, sure they have Bojan Bogdanovich, sure they have Rudy Gobert for defense, but it's still about the guards with them too. Where Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and Joe Ingles to a degree are going to be the playmakers that help everything move along for that Utah Jazz team on the offensive end. It makes them unguardable. And sure, they have the pick and roll where Rudy Gobert is in the middle of the floor, but it's because those guards are so dynamic that you just can't leave them. So it's why the middle of the floor opens up, and they've just identified two great rim rollers in Rudy Gobert and Hassan Whiteside that have helped help that offense move along. Memphis, they've got Jaw, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Tyus Jones, etc. You get the idea. The Mavs, they have Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, they've found their success as well with the perimeter guys. And the Clippers, though they don't have Kawhi Leonard right now, it's possible that they get him back and he'd be added to Paul George. Reggie Jackson, Tarek, Terrence Mann, Eric Bled. So, I mean, you get the idea. Point being, elite guard and wing play is going to drive a lot of these offensive teams. It's going to drive their offensive success. And the Nuggets are going to have to be able to counter that. They are going to have to find ways to stay in front of people. Adding to Marcus Cousins... It's a regular season move. Always has been. I, I I want to make that blatantly clear. If he plays in the playoffs, I am concerned about Denver's defense against some of these teams. If it's Jeff Green at the center position or Zeke Naji, Denver has the mobility in pick and roll, on switches, in a lot of different schemes that they should be able to counter some of what these teams do. Whether it's the Warriors, or the Suns, or the Jazz, or the Grizzlies, or the Mavericks, or the Clippers. A lot of these teams, they get their offense in different ways, but it's with the same positions. And you have to have a variety of options on your own team. At the guard spots, at the wing spots. To put yourself into the best position. Let's talk about what Denver had last year at their disposal in the playoffs on the perimeter. Faku Capazzo and Austin Rivers, like Denver played 10 games in the playoffs last year, a six-game series against the Blazers and a four-game series, a sweep against the Suns. Faku and Rivers, they each started nine out of the 10 games. They averaged nearly 58 combined minutes per game. Most of that time was at point guard and shooting guard, respectively. There's only 96 minutes at those positions every game, and 58 of it was combined for Faku and Austin Rivers. That's a lot of time. Monte Morris also averaged 28 minutes per game by himself. And so now you've got three, or basically 86 minutes combined between Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, and Monte Morris. That's fine. Actually, no, it's not fine. It's really, really not fine. You also played Marcus Howard and Shaq Harrison behind those guys as well. And yes, Barton came back. He came back for three games, games two, three, and four against the Suns, but he still wasn't quite right. 
He still helped, though. And let me remind people that the Nuggets were actually even in plus-minus in his minutes during the Suns series, despite being kind of blown out or really shown the door in several of those games. Pretty much all of them. They are better with the group that they have now, or at least are projected to have. Let's start with the obvious. Jamal Murray should be the starting point guard. I would be shocked if he wasn't. Denver's going to want to get him back into the swing of things. And the swing of things is to put him with Jokic immediately to get him back into that flow. He and Jokic are going to be big, but it's also going to help that you also have Will Barton, who played three of the 10 games in the playoffs last year. It would be nice to have Will Barton healthy for a playoff run. He may not be healthy now, but he's a hell of a lot better in a better position than he was last year and the year before. And frankly, the year before that. So I'm very curious to see what he looks like this year. You still have Monte Morris off the bench. That hasn't changed. You still have Faku and Austin Rivers. They can give you some time, respectively. Now you also have Bones Highland in place of Marcus Howard. I guess you still have Marcus Howard, and he should be back and, and healthy, but now you have Bones Highland. He's, instead of being 5'10 and like 180, you've got a 6'3, 175 rookie. It's probably better. It's probably better from a size and switchability perspective. You also have Davon Reed, Rodney Magruder, and James Ennis instead of Shaq Harrison. Denver has started shifting a lot of their positional weaknesses. Like or a lot of their, their positional depth, which was at power forward, was at center, to now being on the wings. Now they've got a whole heck of a lot of players at the wing position between Davon Reed, Rodney Magruder, and James Ennis, who are all defensive-minded, who are all hoping to break into the league again, and all of them have size and the ability to match up against some of these good guards and wings on these championship caliber teams. Now, they may not even be in the rotation when it's all said and done, but having those guys as an option is much better than not. More optionality is good, and I don't think the Nuggets are done either. I think the wing trade market is still being bolstered. I think you've got guys that I previously identified, like Reggie Bullock, for example. You could probably take him off the board. Dallas is now in fifth in the Western Conference. They probably want to keep Reggie Bullock because he's shooting better. And they're going to want to keep him, as many teams should, for wing options off the bench, or or at least playable wing options in the playoffs. But you still have Justin Holiday. You still have Torrey Craig, both of whom seem readily available and ready to be moved to a contender off of Indiana this year. All Denver has to do is call. You've got Kenrich Williams. He's still on OKC. He played really well against Denver on Sunday, was a plus nine in 18 minutes. And I joked to Harrison Wind on Twitter. Yeah, there's a reason why OKC only played him 18. They were playing too well when he was on the floor, so they took him off the floor. They decided to go back to the to the group that wasn't necessarily doing great. Alec Burks, 
also playing well in New York. They may want to hang on to him, but if they fall out of the play-in mix, they may decide that they want to go a different direction. Cam Reddish, he's on Atlanta. They're at 17-22. and They're 12th in the East. They could definitely decide to make a move. And though his defense hasn't been really good enough to warrant consideration for a position that Denver needs, they still need the size. They still need the shooting. They need players that can play on both ends of the floor. And if Cam Reddish would give them some shooting, maybe they go to him in a spot-up situation, and maybe they go to somebody else in a more defensive situation. I don't know. Josh Richardson, playing a big role in Boston right now. But Boston could still falter. They have the same record as New York. And Josh Richardson could definitely be moved. If they do well, though, and if they decide they want to keep Josh Richardson, then maybe they want to trade the two guys that they DNP'd tonight against the Indiana Pacers to go with a nine-man rotation. They DNP'd Aaron Neesmith, their 2020 first-round pick, and they DNP'd Romeo Lankford, both of whom would be good buy-low options for Denver. I think the Nuggets are in a good spot. I think they're in a spot where they can start really taking advantage of this market. Where if you find an option in DeMarcus Cousins and feel pretty good about him for the rest of the regular season, then you found that for basically free. You just have to clear a roster spot if you can. And Denver would probably be able to at the trade deadline where you clear a roster spot by making a two-for-one trade for one of these wings or another position. But either way, the Nuggets are at sixth. They're 20-18. and 18. The Mavericks are at fifth at 22-18. and 18. The Grizzlies are at fourth at 28-14. and 14. You've got four losses that separate the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. You've got five losses that separate the Nuggets and the Jazz. Though eight wins separate the Jazz and the Grizzlies from the Nuggets. So what I would say is that I'm not necessarily sure that Denver's going to try to go super hard for a playoff spot, that they're not going to try to go up the seeding as much as they, they would in other situations other years. They're just trying to get back Jamal Murray. They're trying to get him back to a healthy place, and it might mean maybe he waits until after the All-Star break. Maybe he waits. Maybe they give themselves more time uh, to try to figure things out. But in the meantime, as long as Will Barton gets out of health and safety, as long as the rest of the team stays relatively healthy, I think they have the foundation to be able to rattle off some wins. They need Jokic to play at MVP level. They need Monte to continue to elevate his game. They need Barton to be better. They need Gordon to be better. But if you've got some other guys who can play some good defense, and if you've got just a semblance of play from your bench, maybe DeMarcus Cousins comes in and gives you a boost. If he does, then things could really turn around here. I want to believe that. And I think that it will. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you to Mile High Sports, my podcasting family, for hosting this pod. 
Uh, I will be back after the Nuggets play the LA Clippers on Tuesday night uh, with a recap podcast of that game. Hopefully we get to see Rodney McGruder. Maybe we even get to see DeMarcus Cousins or James Ennis. You never, you never know. We will just have to see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.